0: Welcome to podcast number 24. Our title today is Christian Women in Leadership. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors here, pastor of care, technically, although pastor of muck is what I usually say. I work in the counseling area of our church, and I'm sitting here with Crystal. Crystal Taves is pastor of women. And Maybe not everyone knows that you are pursuing your master's degree. So can you tell us a little bit about that and also your training? And we need that information because we're heading into a topic that requires some brains behind it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you have brains. (laughs) Some brains (laughs) in the next half an hour. Um, Yeah, I have, well, I did an undergrad degree in literature. Uh, I was going to be an English teacher is what my original thought was. So I did that at SFU. Um, and decided not to go into teaching, but I found that that is really beneficial now in studying the Bible, because I spent four years learning how to study literature and genre and authorial intent and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I did first, uh, when I was first married, and then the last few years I started my master's degree um, at Regent College. So at the end of this year, I will have finished seven courses. It's a 20... 20 courses altogether, so I'm almost halfway there, (laughs) but it's just been a great experience so far. Um, Mm -hmm. I've gone into the school for some classes, I've taken some correspondence, um, basically done a broad survey of New Testament, Old Testament, I did a systematic theology class under J.I. Packer, has a prof, Um, Rick Watts was another one, Ian Provan, really well-known international uh, scholars, Mm -hmm. and so it's been so much fun, I have just loved it, and it feels busy sometimes, yeah. but everything that I'm learning is right away is applicable to what I'm doing here at work. So mm-hmm. I find it's just helping me prep better, prep faster, have resources at my fingertips yeah. uh, because I'm just in that academic world. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll plug along, trying to manage work and kids and school. Um, as the kids get older, I think I can Speed it up a little bit. Yes, but right now that's all I can handle is one one course a semester. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's great. And probably a lot of our listeners are doing their master's degree or other kinds of degrees because a number of our staff and elders are.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northview has a great um, desire to really continue to have people grow in their education, and so they're actually helping to fund part of my degree. They're paying for fifty percent of my courses, mm-hmm. for, like the course cost. So that's great. That's Give me time great. to work it into my work schedule and. And this year, actually, the course that I'm taking, I am teaching here as well, and so that way I can even do it during work hours, Mm -hmm. so that is even better, (laughs) less work in the evenings and weekends. Yeah. Yeah. So, very practical, and I love it. Good. Very challenging. So, So
0: we're going to need all of Crystal's brains and her intelligence and her master's degree as we approach this topic. Let me walk us through what the podcast will look like so you have an idea what to expect. It is part one of part of two. We're going to do two sessions on Christian women in leadership. And these are the kinds of questions that we're going to dialogue about. Well, actually, I'm going to mostly ask the question. Crystal is mostly going to respond, although we have talked about this in advance, that this is a welcomed conversation. So as we go through this, if you're feeling confused or bored or um, maybe this Get some emotions going in you, in you for this topic. Then please come and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Come and have coffee with us,
1: phone us, email us. This is a welcome conversation. Yeah, we've led classes in it mm-hmm. during our Wednesday morning Bible study to make people know that. But not everyone can come Wednesday morning or Monday night. But we no. are definitely open. It's not a conversation we're scared to jump into with people. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we're going to talk about complementarian and egalitarian in this whole framework. We're going to talk about feminist theology. We're going to talk about hierarchical theology. So don't panic already. This is going to be good. We'll explain (laughs) the terms. We'll explain it. We're going to talk, first of all, with why has this been an issue for the church? Or has it always been an issue? We're going to talk through the different streams of thinking, feminist, hierarchical, complementarian, and egalitarian. We're going to talk about, is this a salvation issue? We are going to talk about whether this. What's the position for the Mennonite Brethren on this? The MB will use the word
1: because
0: mm-hmm. that's our denomination. That's for our those denom- of you who don't know that. Yes, yeah. we're going to talk about why this debate is so emotional for people. We're going to talk about what would your advice be for people working through this issue. And we're going to talk about personally where we've come from on this issue. So there's a lot of good things to look forward to. So if you find yourself feeling a little bit bored, just hang in there. We are going to keep it moving,
1: and we're going to keep it interesting. And next time, on our next podcast, because we're doing part one and part two, next time is going to be a little bit more where the rubber hits the road with this. So how does it actually look in our churches, in our families? Um, Yeah, so there'll be a little bit more of that spin. This is a bit more the ideas behind it, and next time will be... How does this work out then?
0: Yeah, so, so the broad strokes today and next time, how it actually impacts Northview and how it impacts Crystal and I in our positions and things like that. And us as wives and yeah. others. And, yeah. So let's talk about this first. Why is this an issue for the church? Has it always been an issue for the church, Crystal?
1: It wasn't really identified as an issue uh, until about the mid-1800s, uh, just because both society and the church had a patriarchal structure, which means that the men, uh, men were kind of the ruling gender, in the sense that Mm -hmm. they uh, were the leaders. They were viewed as the leaders in the church and in society. So, society wasn't pushing the church to think differently, the church wasn't pushing society to think differently. They both kind of had the same view. So, that doesn't mean that there weren't influential women all along the way. We have stories of martyrs um, that were women, who were just as faithful to the end as men. We have their stories. Um, there's a book, it's a fascinating book by Rodney Stark, a man who's a sociologist. He actually became a Christian by reading stories of the early Christians. He wasn't a Christian until he started studying it, but he was just so impressed by their faith and by their willingness to go into the plagues and help people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he says early Christianity was very popular among women because it gave them a lot of freedom that they didn't have within the structures, the Greek kind of Roman cultural structures. So interesting to note that you know there was a lot of female presence. And even when you look at um, the whole abolition of slavery and child labor laws and all those <coughs> things that came into effect in England uh, in the 1800s, there's a lot of really influential women in those movements. So you read some of yeah. the books uh, by Don Lewis, who's a prof at Regent, and Sarah Williams, a prof there. Uh, it's just an amazing contribution that the women had to incorporating a lot of things. So there's been women involved all along the church, uh, in the church history, but you weren't necessarily recognized as leaders um, in terms of um, I guess theological leadership or leadership within the church. So, but when we came to the mid-1800s, feminism became kind of a thing all over. Yeah. And women started realizing that their rights weren't being uh, as represented. And so, this as a feminist movement began, uh, the church needed to then react to it. it was it going to accept everything that the feminists were saying? Was it going to accept them with reservation or with change? So the feminist movement, they didn't create the problem, but they kind of created the debate because okay. they pushed back against society and said um, maybe some of these things need to be looked at. So a lot of the things that are initially um, implemented, like votes for women, all those kind of things, they were great, right? Mm-hmm. But over time, um, there's just been different levels of push uh, that have come from that, depart- from that area, feminism movement, and so then the church has had to react. So it's become basically an issue or a- something that we've had to deal with in that last hundred years really it wasn't really the first 1900 years okay. of Christianity
0: so so walk us through the the four main positions on the one hand we have the feminist theology yeah. on the absolute opposite we have the hierarchical yeah and in between we have complementarian and egalitarian yeah now for our listeners don't panic Crystal will do this well and these are terms that we use a lot here at church so you can always talk to us about it so let's
1: start with feminist on the one side walk us through what does that mean so feminist theology would be people who started within a Christian stream, some may still be within a Christian stream, but they want they started reevaluating the whole Christian faith, the whole Christian Bible based on um, starting with a framework of this is what's good for women, then what can we take out of the Bible that's good and what is harmful to women in the Bible in terms of what we read and what we know. And so they start with this framework of our, our basic idea is we want the world to be equal and we want women to have an equal voice, equal say. Mm-hmm. And then they discern from that then what is useful within the Bible. Yeah. So it's become more and more fringe to mainstream uh, kind of Christianity because they're using only the parts of the Bible that they think are helpful or beneficial to women. Yeah. And so it has danger there. The more I did a paper on this last year in my master's class, on feminist theology, and realized that they're changing the whole language of God uh, in terms of mother God, father God, um, some even into goddess worship. Uh, they're just throwing out a whole bunch of doctrines like the doctrine of atonement and original sin and stuff because they have been connected with suffering or with women or whatever. And so anything they don't like, that they don't think is good for women, they kind of throw out. And so. So, if I'm getting
0: this correctly, it's not. Just that men and women are equal it's that women are above men right they would say that not only equal but women
1: have more ability more power Um, not necessarily so much they're just saying that any kind of male leadership is abuse there's no good male leadership Um, women should always be yeah, at least equal they would often maybe put themselves above but I don't think philosophically they would say they're necessarily above they would say it is for equality But that if anything within the Bible um, has a little bit of a different twist to that, we need to just disregard that. It can't be part of God's plan. Okay. So So maybe to make it clearer, what's the opposite side, the hierarchical side? So the hierarchical would have been more traditional what the church would have had in terms of men are the head of everything and there's no women leadership. Kind of everything goes through man to woman and downward. So there's a hierarchy between men and women. They're not necessarily equal uh, value Well, they might say equal value, but definitely a a leadership structure where men are above women. So when you think of a hierarchy, that idea of a ladder or whatever, men are on a higher rung than women.
0: So in the middle ground, we have these two positions, egalitarian and complementarian, that most of our churches fall into. Mm -hmm. And we're talking particularly about Mennonite Brethren. I think it's helpful to know that our Mennonite Brethren Conference has said that churches can be complementarian or egalitarian. They have a choice, and neither one is wrong. They've allowed it to be one of those open-handed issues where we can all be Christians, and we can choose whether we want to be egalitarian or complementarian.
1: Correct? Mm Yeah. Okay, so you need to describe this to us. What's egalitarian? Let's start with that. So egalitarian would say that men and women are completely equal in the sight of God, and their roles can be interchangeable within the church. So you could have a woman lead pastor, women elders, women doing every single role that a man could do okay. so it's just basic a, a level completely level playing field. Okay complementarian? Complementarian. Um, First is, of all it's not
0: compliment, like no. as in giving a compliment it's no. complement yeah spelled differently and it's a recent term
1: yeah and egalitarian is a recent term too so egalitarian kind of came out of the feminist movement and it was in the 70s that they started using that term um, to say equal partnership Um, In response to that, then, there was a bunch of scholars that said, well, we don't quite want to go all that way, but we don't like hierarchical either. We don't think it's hierarchical. And so they got together in the mid-1980s and coined the term complementarian. So I'll read, I have a definition of it. Uh, This is from Mary Cassian's blog called Complementarianism for Dummies. It says, the word complementarian is derived from the word complement, not the word complement, The dictionary defines complement as something that completes or makes perfect either of two parts or things needed to complete the whole, counterparts. And she writes here, complementarians believe that God created male and female as complementary expressions of the image of God. Male and female are counterparts in reflecting his glory. Having two sexes expands the view. Though both sexes bear God's image fully on their own, each does so in a unique and distinct way. Male and female in relationship reflect truths about Jesus that are not reflected by male alone or female alone. So it sees men and women as being partners within the gospel, but having different distinct roles within a church. Yes. Equal in worth and dignity. Equal in salvation opportunity. Yeah.
0: But different in their roles. Yeah. Men are created to be the leaders and women are created to be the helpers. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we mean by those. So if our churches choose
1: to be complementarian or egalitarian, is this a salvation issue? We the, Our MB church has decided it, it's not, and I would fully agree with that. And I've heard other people, uh, when we were at the Gospel Coalition Conference, I mean, John Piper and Tim Keller, they all said the same thing. It's not a salvation issue. It's not saying whether or not you're a Christian. But the thing we want to be careful of is that it does say something... About or we want to be just analyzing how we read the Bible to come to what our decision is on how yeah. we fall on these spots. Yeah. So the only thing I would say is we want to make sure that as we approach the biblical text, we're trying to allow the Bible to teach us how to think rather than coming with thoughts about how it should be and hoping that the Bible will support that. Yes. Right. So either way, whichever way you're studying the Bible, I would just encourage you to try to be as aware of your own biases mm-hmm. and aware of... Um, your own ideas and what what baggage you might be bringing into this discussion Um, and allow the bible to kind of shape your framework
0: yeah what you're talking
1: about is what we talk often about here at church about we need to be
0: under the bible we need to submit to the authority of scripture yeah and that sometimes what it teaches is uncomfortable we don't even like it at times, but ultimately we want to say, Lord, these are your scriptures, you made them, and so we need to submit to them. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, well, my idea is the most important, and is there something in the Bible that can support what I'm thinking?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important. That's the important part of it as we approach um, how we're going to come to terms with it. Yeah, what's our approach to the Bible and to the text as we're reading it? Okay. So I think there's sincere biblical people on both sides. Yes, there are. So, mm-hmm. is this is a, a way of looking, thinking through it.
0: And yeah. sincere churches, biblically faithful churches on both sides, yeah. complementarian and egalitarian. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we already talked about the Mennonite Brethren position. What do most Mennonite Brethren churches
1: subscribe to? Which position do they mostly fall into? I don't have a chart or a percentage or a graph, but I, from my guess, is that most would be egalitarian, just from talking around to people at conferences. Yeah, and that kind of thing. I think. Northview's position, uh, Willingdon Westside, some of the other churches in BC are a little bit more, um, they would be uncomplimentary and I think they'd be more in the minority, I think. Yes, I agree. From what I would, Yeah, but I think the pulse would be, so. Yeah.
0: So just to be clear about that, Northview is
1: a complementarian church as are Willingdon and Westside and a few others, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what that means, and we'll talk about that a little more next week, but just so you know clearly, it just, it means that we have a male elder board and we have uh, a male lead pastor, all the other positions are open to women uh, Mm -hmm. within the church. So we have Mm -hmm. lots of female pastors, support staff. So So, here's an interesting question.
0: If the MB position is to give churches within the MB Conference, Mennonite Brethren Conference, freedom on this issue, does it actually feel open-handed when we go to conferences and we go to events? (laughs) No, it doesn't. It It
1: feels like everybody is looking down their noses at us a little bit. Yes, it is an
0: unpopular
1: stance. Yes, because people feel that it's oppressive. Yes. So people will come up to Thalia and I and say, how are you doing? Yes. It must be so hard to work there. They have this idea that we are being... Oppressed because we are not uh, given that position to be a lead pastor or to be an elder yes. within this church.
0: And most people will point the finger at Jeff.
1: Yeah, And they will say, he's the one who's bullying us and oppressing us. And we just laugh. And we're like, he is not like that. And our church is not like that. And our elder board is not like that. No, they're constantly pushing us to do more and think more and get more education and... And contribute
0: our thoughts and opinions in every aspect where we can. Yeah. And, and Crystal and I are encouraged. Actually, we're... Um, it's a little more than encouraged. We are strongly encouraged to attend every
1: elder meeting because yeah. they
0: want our voices and our thoughts.
1: Yeah. So, no, it definitely is not, does not feel oppressive here. No. And even when the decision was originally made to become complementarian, um, it was a big, huge book that was put together, that the elders read every meeting together, mm-hmm. going through all the scripture passages, reading the pros and cons of both sides. It wasn't something that was a secret meeting done no. on the sly, one no. night and quickly slipped in. Uh, It was well thought through, and at that elder board level, it wasn't something that was uh, someone's specific initiative uh, to make happen. Yeah,
0: and I think another point, and maybe we'll get to it in the next podcast a little bit more, but um, on our elder board, they are free to hold an egalitarian position or a complementarian Mm. or along the extremes of that. They don't have to all agree unanimously, but
1: they need so to when uphold. you discern elders, you're saying? Yes. When we them. discern
0: elders, they can hold an egalitarian or a complementarian, but they know the position that Northview holds, and the request is that they are willing to submit to the position that the, the elder board and our senior pastors agree to. Right. Because as a whole, that's what was voted. That was voted. Voted yeah. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, why is this debate so emotional for people? Why do people constantly come to us and feel that we are being hurt and oppressed?
1: And they are sad for us and hurting for us and sometimes angry. Mm -hmm. Why is this so emotional? Well, I think there has been a history of abuse, not necessarily physical, whatever, you know, those kind of... But abuse of power, I guess I would say, within the church. And within society. And so, kind of male... um, the patriarchal system has come under fire everywhere yes. and people are scared that if men have uh, leadership that that means they will wield power in an unhealthy way. Yes, And so there's a fear um, because of past history and because of just our own sinfulness, <laughs> we know this, people do things wrong. So I think that's a big part because it's been abused in the past. And I think, like, I've talked to women about this issue and tried to talk very gently and um, using scripture and kindly and they start crying and mm-hmm. which is understandable because I think it it cuts at the core of a woman's self-worth to a certain degree to say well am I not as loved by God am I not as valuable by to God am I can I not be used by him in mm-hmm. his kingdom to the same degree as my brother could and why and yeah if I know,
0: can't be an elder if I can't be a lead pastor does that mean that God loves me less yeah does that mean that I'm um Squelched and squashed
1: and somehow put down. Yeah. So that's hard. It is. And especially women, a lot of women who don't feel the need to lead or are happy in that role of helper, you know, like a lot of people love the behind the scenes stuff and so they don't feel that tension. But if a woman is gifted in leading, if they're gifted in speaking, if they feel like God's calling them to something and then they feel that there's restrictions yeah. on that, it's hard mm-hmm. to say, okay, I feel like God's calling me to that. So what does that mean then if I can't do everything that a guy in my same position could do? Yes. And how do I work through that? Yeah. So it's tricky. It is tricky. Yeah. So what would be
0: your advice for people who are working through this issue? And it's often women working through it. And so one, as I already said, is please feel free to keep this an open discussion. Come and talk to us. We are working in this daily, we are talking about this regularly. This isn't something that we are hiding under the carpet and not afraid to address. No. But what else would you
1: say? Um, I'd say, I think as much as possible on this topic and all kinds of topics, um, I'm doing a presentation on Zionism (laughs) tomorrow morning in our Bible study, which is an emotional topic for women. I think as women, we need to learn how to talk intellectually about things and not just let our emotions always carry us away. So we need to challenge each other to say well let's use our brains and try and think this through and try to leave our heart at the door to a certain degree yeah. while we're working through it yeah and allow god to speak through us trust there's a quote in my my one of my classes last year because we were talking about evolution and creation and and some of the early theologians as we were walking through this said all truth is god's truth if god is if god is truth then everything that we find out that is true will reveal more about god right mm-hmm. so we can trust as we approach the bible that god will reveal truth to us we don't need to worry um yeah that we're going to get taken down a wrong path
0: i would add to that that when you're approaching an issue or when we are approaching an issue that's a little bit touchy that i would say i would encourage us to explore all sides of the issue yeah so if you're struggling with complementarian not only research complementarian, but research egalitarian, yep. research hierarchical or patriarchal, as sometimes it's been called. Research it all. Look at the Bible verses. Meet with a group of people that are grounded Christians. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that helps
1: to clarify where you're at. Yeah. And I think specifically go to the Bible for the answers. Not Absolutely. Just go yes, that's what I meant. Opinion pool. <laughs> but no. often we'll sit around and talk about it. That's we'll just true. will opinion pooling.
0: No, no. That's the scripture comparison and, and looking at the issue. And there are many, many resources that we'll
1: list at the end that you yeah. could do that with. I think we want to recognize too, sometimes we think... Um, you know, one side has all the good scholarship and another doesn't, but like at Regent College itself, so we have J.I. Packer, who's one of the best-known theologians in the last century, he's complementarian, and then you have John Stackhouse, who is very also well-respected and a prolific writer and stuff, Mm and he's egalitarian, and they coexist within the same institution, Yes, and they have back and forth and push and pull on things, and Mm so... We should be able to do that. <laughs> we should be able to dialogue and know that not one side's dumb and the other one's smart. Like, yeah. let's work through this together. And With try our to best brains and our best intelligence. Yeah. We, I, we were at a conference, Thalia and I, two weeks ago, and there was a presenter presenting something and the people behind us didn't like it. And yes. so she just stood up and left. And I thought, well, that's not really helpful. Like, no. you're not going to ex- understand then, the debate if you just get in a huff and leave. Yeah. So we need to be willing to at least listen to the other side, at least think it through. Mm -hmm. Um, and come to conclusions so yeah we don't need to be enemies as we work through stuff no let's just be honestly discussing texts and yeah what they mean yeah not be afraid of the chewy discussions as i sometimes call
0: them yeah yeah Yeah. so could you sum up we have a few more minutes sum up the main arguments for egalitarian and complementarian because some of our listeners won't have time to go and research and don't have time to go and look at all the scripture but let's start with egalitarian can you sum up sort of
1: briefly, what are the main points, and then we'll switch to the other side. Yeah. So I kind of, in my mind, it's easy, it's helpful to think of it as, um, and this might not be helpful for other people, (laughs) but in my mind it is. It's like a Genesis 2 versus a Genesis 3 issue. So Genesis 3 is when the fall happened. Genesis 2 is when God created man, husband and wife, male and female. Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden, yeah. Perfect. So the egalitarians would say that this whole idea of roles came because of the fall in Genesis 3. And it was part of the curse that we are under because sin entered the world. And so now that Jesus has come and taken away the curse of sin, um, he is now reversing all those things that happened at the fall. And so where gender issues became an issue at the fall, now God is reversing that. And so when you come to a verse like Galatians 3, 28, which says now there is no slave or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile they say well that shows we're all equal Jesus is reversing what happened there and so now we're all equal we can all carry on and do ministry together yes so that's how they would see kind of the pattern of Scripture yes so complementarians would say that God had a rule kind of differentiation in mind in the creation order so he created Adam first he gave Adam the job to work in the garden. He gave Adam the first set of rules of how this world was to be governed. Yes, while and the Garden of Eden was perfect. was perfect. And then brought Eve along later. And they say that is an image then that carries out throughout Scripture that mankind that men are asked to provide that leadership protectively and in a great and a good way. Yes. That role, Servant leadership, leadership protection. role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was compromised at the fall because men and women sinned and that became an issue of conflict. But now that Christ has come, he has redeemed mankind to the point where we can, through the Holy Spirit, we can live lives that now please him. And so a male can be a godly leader, can be a servant leader, can be um, a caring head of their household because of what Christ has done to transform them. So they would see this role as being something God instituted at the beginning and carries on now, and now it can be something that... God designed it to be because of Christ. It's not that Christ took away the mm-hmm. difference between genders, but he's a, a redeeming kind of ma- the male and female role. Mm-hmm. So that is a really broad stroke yes. brush, but it's basically, um, I think, gives a general feel for, for how that works. Um, if you look at all of Paul's argument in the New Testament for why men should lead within the church, it, he goes back to that creation story. And so yes. that's why people say that creation story is important because it shows that God had something in mind that he is redeeming and using um, for his good and for the glory of the church. So, Mm -hmm. I hope that
0: helps a little bit. Yeah. So let's talk briefly about where we have come from personally
1: on this issue. Where did you come from on this issue, Crystal? I think about... I hadn't given a a lot of thought until maybe about five or six years ago. Um, Coming into Northview, um, I would say... Emotionally, I kind of wanted to be egalitarian be for those same reasons. I wanted to feel like my gifts could be used anywhere. But I had heard some sermons, some teaching on egalitarian, and it didn't quite sit right with me. I didn't feel like the way the passages are being justified as saying, well, this is just a cultural thing that Paul is speaking into. This isn't really for all time. I felt that the ways that some of those things were discussed just didn't feel to me like exactly... Uh, what the tone of the passage was about, so I didn't feel quite easy with saying, "I'm egalitarian" and "I'm theologically egalitarian." It was more like practically because I wanted, yeah, I wanted to feel equal to everybody. So you were looking at the context
0: of scripture and saying that the context didn't fit what the co- the uh, conclusion
1: was. Yeah, the you. conclusion. People were trying to tell me that the conclusion was that men and equal, then can do men and women can do everything, but I didn't feel like that's quite. I thought they were explaining away scripture's true intent, and so. I came in a little bit mixed. What I did is I sat down and did a study that went through the whole Old Testament and New Testament, all the passages that deal with women in the Old Testament and the New Testament, women's roles, women within family, women within Leviticus and all those laws and all those kind of things. And what I realized going through that is that um, God had a high value of women all the way through. It's not that Jesus started a new thing in the New Testament, like God took care of women all through the Old Testament and I just fell in love with this picture of God caring for people when nobody else cared for them for Mm -hmm. Hagar who was a slave girl who was mistreated by Abraham and Sarah and, and left and and I just felt like wow God's been caring for women throughout this whole scripture so then if he has rules about worship I need to respect those rules so he had a tribe like the Levites who led the worship there might have been good people in the tribe of Joshua or in the yeah. tribe of Joseph or Benjamin or whatever, Judah, that could have done it just as well. But God said, well, no, this is in my temple. I want the Levites there. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean that everybody else wasn't as worthy. But if God had rules for worship, and if he loved me just the same as everybody else, then is there a, Like, I thought, well, then I'm okay with following if there's certain rules or certain structures that he wants. Yeah. I felt like I could submit to that. Yeah. So... That's where I started. Yeah. And then I've kind of developed it through there. But that was where my emotional kind of intellectual piece started.
0: Yes. And you've mixing. done a lot
1: of reading and studying and preparing classes on this topic. Yeah. How yeah. About for
0: you? So mine, and maybe for you as well growing up in church there wasn't the word complementarian and egalitarian but I would have said that probably my church was complementarian my our pastor was a male Mm -hmm. our elders were male my dad was a great spiritual leader in our home and my mom was his helper but brought all her gifts and skills to the table so that would have been normal for me then when I hit about 18, 19, 20 feminism was in full force and I bought it hook, line and sinker and anything that men can do women can do better and I totally I think absorbed that attitude and one time, I, I got home from something, and my dad said ta- started talking to me about my attitude, and he said, "This is not what men and women are supposed to be like. This is not the roles we've been created for." Although we didn't have those terms either then, hmm. so he started talking yeah. to me about how it's not anything men can do, women can do better, and. Uh, that was a little hard to sit with because everything at university was saying the opposite Mm -hmm. and here was my dad speaking to me but I love my dad and I respect my dad so I started to listen and then I started to read some books um, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood by Piper. Piper yeah Yeah. Piper and I started to do some other studies and then when I started um, doing some bible studies here and coming on church. then all of a sudden these words came up Mm -hmm. and I understood, oh, this is what I had grown up with and now I had been into feminist theology and now I had come out. Mm -hmm. And it feels very comfortable for me to be complementarian now, although Mm -hmm. that's been a process. Mm -hmm. Because i think it's how god designed it through all the scripture reading god has designed men to be leaders god has designed women to be helpers but we can bring our full gifts and skills and there is so much to do as a helper that i won't run out of things to do and i don't need to be that person speaking from the front and i don't need to be an elder that's how god has given them that authority i find it comforting actually yeah, yeah. anything else you want to no add to that but it's been a process. Yeah. And so I would say, too, for anyone listening, this is a process. And, yeah. you know, I'm in my 40s, and so this has been a long process. And if it takes you a while to think this through, and you have to struggle with some emotions, that's good.
1: Yeah. And I think I would have thought, yeah, 10 years ago, I would have, wouldn't have would have necessarily thought I would be at this place now. No. So it was just no recognizing that, yeah, we don't have to have it all figured out, but we want to be willing to Dialogue, dialogue and discuss it, I think, and, and, and research scripture yeah yeah and I think even within that helper role and we'll talk about this next time there's a lot of leadership that we do oh yeah so it's not the never-ending work good work <laughs> not, not like it's uh, completely subservient and we're not doing no. anything in leadership so there's lots we're going to talk about next time In terms of what that looks like here at Northview.
0: Yes, stay tuned for part two, which we'll do in a couple of weeks. So as we end this, Crystal, would you pray for our listeners, for them to um, be willing to engage in this issue if it's something that is pressing on them?
1: And um, yeah, let's let's end that way. Yeah, I'll just say we are still trying to figure out a resource page for our podcast. Um, So maybe next time we'll have information on where we can post all this because we do have information from the mb conference when they made the decision in 2003 we have that paper you could read and how that came about and yeah so there's lots of pieces we can add we just have to figure out where to put them yeah that's a good idea yeah Yeah. so next time we will have that promise okay
0: or you can email us for now. If you yeah. really want to get going on this, That's email rich. us. We can send you all kinds of information. Yeah. Articles, websites, yeah. blogs, books, whatever you're into, we can send it to you. Yeah.
1: We had, I had lots of fun discussing this with the interns last week in the oh, intern yeah. class. <laughs> so they asked for all this different stuff. I said, yeah, I can get that to you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you that your word is truth. We want to thank you that we can rely on it that it is clear, that we can understand it. Lord, we thank you that your word um, is just so full of love for all your people and your love for women. Lord, I thank you for how throughout all of scripture, um, even if society wasn't treating women well, um, you recognize women. You recognize Rahab and Ruth and Esther and Abigail and all kinds of women, Lord, who were servants of you, who were used by you in your redemption story. We thank you, Lord. Um, for that fact and that we can rest in that we can rest in the fact that we are loved by you um, that you have work for us to do and that you call us to a high calling so lord we just thank you for your word lord i pray for people who may be listening today uh, for whom this might be an emotional topic for whom um, yeah it just might be hurtful or painful lord i just pray that as they study your word that your spirit would continually uh, speak within them of your love for them of your care for them, of the work that you have for them. Lord, we pray that you would heal any wounds that might have come from the past, from abuse of power, um, or from situations that are difficult or have been hurtful. Lord, we pray that the more they spend time in your presence, Lord, that they would understand your care for them. And Lord, I pray for Thalia and I and others as we are interacting with women in our church, Lord, that we would be sensitive to their needs, to their past, and uh, and encourage them in the future. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we talk through these issues. and. Um, as we minister to the people that you've given us to care for. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. Uh, we just thank you uh, for your care and concern for all of us and just pray your blessing upon our listeners, Lord, as we walk through this week. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So we'll
0: see you at part two in a couple That's weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bye.